Well, good morning. Good to see you today. You know, um, this week uh, we've been talking about um, making a difference and people that make a difference in our life. You know, and this is kind of a significant week for us because two years ago we were in the final touches of getting this building ready for its grand opening. And it's just been such a marvelous journey. And you think about people who've made a difference. And I could go through really hundreds of names and, and just kind of start listing people, uh, person after person, who've made a difference in this church, in this fellowship. Tammy said when she walked out of Target the other day and there was a sign that said uh, annual tree lighting for Anaheim at Influence Center, she said, would you ever imagine four years ago that... When we started this church with really no money, and someone would have said this, well, in the second year of your existence, you're going to host the annual tree lighting, uh, one of three for the city of Anaheim. You're going to be the sponsor behind the big run in 4th of July and for Thanksgiving Day, that all the runners are going to be given a bag to say Influence Church that you're going to have a building and you're going to have assets that uh, are in the millions instead of the $8 that we had when we started, and that you're going to see people whose lives have been changed by uh, miracles where they've physically been transformed, where people have been saved and redeemed by the power of God. Would you ever imagine four years ago, would it have made easier the start? And I absolutely. But we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. So I thought about people who make a difference, and I'm going to call out some people today, and I'm going to do it throughout the month of December as we think about people who make a difference. But people who make a difference have some characteristics. You might want to jot these down. When I wrote them down, I said, God, I want those in my life. I don't want to be short of any of these, and I recognize, God, that all of these will cause us to make a stretch. But I think people that make a difference, they make a difference every day. It's like manna from God, that every day you need a fresh supply. I think we've all had that experience where we fed someone at a homeless shelter, and we felt so good about it. We felt like we made a difference for a day. But remember, the next day, that person's still hungry. The next day, that person's still homeless. What do we do about the rest of the days? What is it you can do on a daily basis to make a difference in somebody's life? Second thing is people who make a difference, they build up people, they build up a cause, or they build up an organization, they never tear it down. People are builders when they make a difference. They say, how can I help you, and how can I make your life better, and how can I further the cause, and how can I have a legacy in my life so I can look back? I think people who make a difference, they create a culture of honor, where they honor one another, and and they in turn feel the honor that comes from somebody else where we respect people and people who make a difference, they always do that. They change everyone around them. But I think also that people who make a difference are unnoticed and unseen by most. We rarely kind of say, well, that person did this, and we don't know all they did to make it possible for us to be in a particular place in our life. I think they also, a person who makes a difference, underestimates their contribution back to a person, to a cause or an organization. They never go, well, look at me, or they say, well, I didn't do much. I was just kind of there and kind of helped out a little bit. But, you know, I, I began to just kind of take some inventory and begin to write a long list of people. I'm only going to highlight a few today, but know that throughout the month I'm going to be highlighting some others, and, and you might be in that list, and you might need to be in that list, and I 
forget to acknowledge you or somehow, but just know that you're never forgotten by God. Amen? But I was thinking about this. There's a, there's a guy named Mike Kelly. He's right over there. And Mike, uh, he serves up here about three or four days a week, maybe more. He locks things up. He sets up chairs. He picks up your trash. He really does. I mean, I call him St. Francis because he doesn't do it because he's getting paid because he's not. One time I asked him, I said, you know, what can I do for you? He said, you know, I just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How do you, how do you replicate that? How do you compete with that? And Mike, I just want to, Mike, if you'd raise your hand, we just want to put our hands together for Mike. Would you do that? Another thing, you know, miracles don't just happen. The kids that have been saved, uh, uh, the, the people have been healed of cancer. It doesn't just happen because we show up. And Brian and Christy Alec, they were in the first service, and, 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 and I just want to just do a shout-out to them, even though they're not here in this service. But they're our prayer team, and they have consistently brought people together in a circle of prayer every single morning uh, on Sunday morning for prayer. And then she comes up during the week, and she pulls all those prayer requests out of the prayer wall that you put in there. She writes them down. She marks them so that we know they've been recorded. She puts them back in the prayer wall. Then she distributes that prayer list to people within our prayer community and our prayer team. And you think about what power that is because there's prayer going out for you. Lives have been changed because of them and they make a difference. I think about Milt and the guy that oversees our facilities and he was the overseer of, I mean, amen, just put your hands together. I mean, he he was the overseer of, of the project that we have here today that has made us a building that we can come in and we can enjoy and we can be a part of. And, and he, uh, he really honors this building and, you know, and he makes sure it's clean and makes sure it's right. And if you mess it up, he's probably going to nail your foot to the floor, but, but, you know, but he makes a difference. He cares about the house. It's not a job. It's a house of God and he honors the house. And then I think about, uh, about someone who really, I think exemplifies this in a huge way. And she has made a difference in so many lives, and she really is an unsung hero uh, in my mind. And that's my own wife, Tammy. Would you put your hands together for Tammy? You know, there's no telling how many businesses have been started and how many people have been inspired by her life, and, and I just want to call out and make a difference. And I know many of you have made a big difference in the life of this church, and, and, I, and I want you to know that whether I mention your name or not, you are appreciated and you are significant in what we do. So thank you, thank you very much. And uh, I was uh, studying here this idea of somebody made a difference, and I was thinking about Elijah the prophet. And this fiery prophet of God, he, he was so bold. Have you ever made like this bold declaration of faith, and then you said, man, I wish I could pull that one back? Wish I could take that one back. That was a pretty big step on my part. And, and you know, God, you got to come through or I'll look like an idiot in the process of all of this. And I've had more than my share of those. Or I said, God will do this or God's going to do that. And, and fortunately, God has been really a, just a blessing God and has been kind and gracious and answered a lot of prayers. But Elijah says this. Think if this is not a bold prayer. First uh, Kings chapter 17, Elijah, the Tishbite, of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, now he's talking to the, to really the ruling leader here. And he says this, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew or rain these years, except at my word. Now here's what he said. It's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. 
I mean, that's a pretty bold declaration, wouldn't you say? I'm shutting off the windows of heaven. There's going to be drought in the land. There's going to be hunger. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be challenges. But I'm not going to do it until you give God the attention that God deserves. Some times God brings a drought in your life so that you acknowledge God. But he made this bold prayer, and in the middle of that bold prayer, as you go from the time it doesn't rain until the time it does rain, there's miracle after miracle that God does. Did you know that God works miracles during times of drought? You see, in times of abundance, you don't look for the miracles of God. You don't look for the faith. You don't look for the prayer. You just say, oh, God is a good God, and you just kind of go on life. But think about it. It's times of drought. I want you to take your Bibles and look with me to 1 Kings chapter 18, and I want to make this statement. The life that you really want is waiting for you. The life that you really want is waiting for you. You see, sometimes we just go through life and we do what we've always done because we have a skill base, because our resume is such a way or whatever, but we go through this pattern of life and we never stop and think, what is the life that I really want? What is the life that God really has for me? What if it were waiting for you? What if it was behind one door and all it took was the right set of circumstances, the right prayer, uh, the right opportunity coming at the right time and you seized it and you found the life that you're really waiting for? Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 41. Elijah says to Ahab, go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of the abundance of rain. Now, what's an interesting phrase because it was not raining. It was not getting ready to rain in that very moment. But Elijah heard something in the spiritual realm that he didn't see yet in the physical realm. And that's how faith works. Now, what's interesting about this word sound in the Hebrew language, it is the word voice. He heard the voice of rain. God was speaking to him in his spirit, and he was hearing something inside of him. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went to the top of Carmel, and there he bowed down to the ground. He put his face between his knees. Now, what he did was he was taking the distractions away from him. I'm not going to look and see if it's raining. I'm not going to look and see if there are clouds. I'm going to cover my eyes, I'm going to put my head between my knees, and all I'm going to do is I'm going to begin to pray. I'm not going to let circumstances dictate my faith. I'm not going to let people dictate my faith. I'm going to let God dictate my faith. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. So he went up and he looked and he said, there is nothing. Now, if you're a person of faith and somebody reports to you nothing, what do you do? You say, I don't get it. God, what are you doing? No, look what Elijah does. And he seven times said unto him, go again. Servant comes back and says, no rain, no clouds, nothing. Second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time, seventh time. He says, go again. Do you think the servant somewhere around the third or fourth time was saying something like this? Elijah, this ain't working for you. Elijah, maybe you got it wrong. Elijah, maybe the timing is off. But Elijah didn't fail. He didn't fold at all. You see, Elijah was getting ready to make history. Let me put it like this. You make history when no one is watching. You change the spiritual climate of a setting when no one is watching. 
It's prayer and faith that changes things. Your activity is only what is put to the faith. Miracles happen in private. The miracles that we've seen over the years are the miracles that have happened in private. They've happened in faith. Let me put it like this. If you will make history when no one is watching, he will make history through you when everyone is watching. Let me say it again. If you will make history when no one is watching, God will make history through you when everyone is watching. If you want to be seen, if you want to be known for a, to be a person of faith, then you're going down the wrong road. It is to say, God, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you, God. And God, if you choose to make this significant in my life, in my world, that's up to you. But that's not my motive at all. I thought it was interesting. He heard the sound before he saw the rain. You see, you can hear things in the, in the spirit realm before you hear things in the natural realm. When you're praying and God begins to talk, you go, wait a minute, I think God just said something to me. And you hear it in your spirit. You say, I think that was God. And then it's going to later be manifest in the physical realm. The same thing's true in the natural world, except it's just the opposite. If you think about it, when you, hear, when you see lightning, what do you do? Sometimes you'll count and you want to see how far away it is, right? Count all there, and you just kind of say, well, that's how far away it is. But you see before you hear in the physical realm, okay? But in the spiritual realm, it's just the opposite of that. You see, light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Sound travels at about 1,100 feet per second. But in the spiritual realm, sound is traveling faster. The voice of God is instantaneous. God will say to you, I'm going to do that. And you'll say, when? The manifestation's coming. But you know it here first, and then you'll see it there. In Mark chapter 11 and verse 24, Jesus said this, Whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them. That's invisible. And then he went on to say, and you will have them. That's visible. So I've got to see it in the spiritual realm. I've got to see it in the invisible before it's manifest in the physical realm. When I really know it in my spirit and I'm praying, I'm saying, God, you're going to do this. I know you're going to do this. I remember when we first moved to Denver and we were, we were moving from an area in Ohio where real estate was really low. We were moving into a high real estate market in a time where it was challenging. We were living in a little condo on the third floor and everybody below us had a problem. They were loud. They were noisy, crazy stuff. We got to get a house. We found an area where we liked a house. It had been a show home. We went in there. It was way above our price range. We went in there, and I walked in, and God said, I'm going to give you this house. And I said to our realtor, I said, I believe we're going to supposed to have this house. She said, I came up here as a courtesy to you, but you can't afford this house. And I said, well, it's too late. God already gave me this house. We're going to move in this house. And I said, here's what the offer is going to be. And she laughed. She said, they'll never accept that offer. I said, they don't have a choice. God gave us this house. 
It's out of her hands. It's out of the owner's hands. It's out of everybody's hands. This is God's choice. This is what God is doing. She said, all right, but I'm telling you, it's a waste of time. About two days later, I got a call from her. There was a long pause on the phone, and she says, you're not going to believe this. I said, I already believed it. (laughs) It was just waiting for the manifestation of it. She said, they accepted your offer. And I said, I knew they would. Now, it was a house we could not afford, really, except on that basis of that new offer, which was way below market, about 20% in a rising market. But God chose to do something because God spoke in my spirit man and told Tammy and I we were going to have that house. You see, you can't explain it. It doesn't have to be reasonable for God to do it. Now, it doesn't mean that you have the carte blanche to go out and just believe God for anything and everything. It means God has to speak first in your inner man, and then it confirms in the external world that you live in. Heaven takes notice of persistent faith. Did you notice what Elijah did? He sent the servant back seven times. If you get weary in trusting God, don't expect God to come through. God loves it when you're persistent. God loves it when you won't give up. God loves tenacity in his children. If you have children, little children, you, exact, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If your child is persistent enough, they can have anything and everything they want because it will drive you absolutely crazy. Do you know what I'm talking about? God is the same way. Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 11, he says he talks about the man at midnight who wants bread. He knocks on the door. The guy says, go away. My children are asleep. They're quiet. Leave me alone. He keeps knocking on the door. Finally, it says the man inside the house comes down, opens the door, gives him all the bread he wants just to get rid of him. Then Jesus goes into a talk about persistent prayer. Luke chapter 18, persistent widow. Widow comes up to an unrighteous judge. Unrighteous judge says, you know, I don't really care about your son, about your issues, or about anything. Leave me alone. She kept coming back. Finally, the judge says, give her whatever she wants. She's going to wear me out. And then it says, and God taught them about prayer. You need to have your goal is to wear out God. It's what he wants. Do you ever think about that? That's the character of God. He's like fathers and, and we're like children. He said, if you really want that that bad and it falls within the parameters of what I'm okay with, I'm going to give it to you. But I want to see how bad you really want it. If you don't want it that bad, if a kid asked me, if my son or my daughter asked me when they were little, said, I want that. And then five minutes later, they want something else. You're not getting either one. Right? That's how your prayers are sometimes. You're going, God, can I have this? And then you get a little tired because it didn't happen. God, can I have this? And then you get a little tired. God, can I have this? God, can I have this? He goes, you know, you don't know what you want. I'm not giving you anything. When you figure out what you really want and you're willing to believe me for it, then I'll give you. And God is shouting from the heavens, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? I'm confused by all your jumping around and craziness. Joseph Campbell put it like this, we must be willing to get rid of the life we've planned so that we can have the life that is waiting for us. Have you ever noticed how you make all these great plans for your life? 
and you try, you work so hard to get that life, work so hard to get that life, God says, that's not what I have for you. The Bible says in Proverbs, many are the plans of men, but God directs the steps. What if God had something better than you had planned? Wouldn't that be kind of cool? Wouldn't it be exciting? God says, you know what? You could have settled for that, but I had this in mind for you. Let me show you what I've got for you. God uses, I believe, difficulty to manifest a new dream. I've never seen new dreams birth without difficulty. Never seen a new dream, a new goal, a new, a, a new in, in endeavor, a new venture ever started, except there was difficulty that was attached to it. And you said, boy, I, I almost gave up, but I hung in there a little bit longer. I didn't see any way, but I kept with it. I, I, I saw dark clouds everywhere I went, but boy, then God came through at the last minute. And you go, I'm just so glad I stuck to the fight. I'm so glad I stayed in the game. Because God says, you're closer than you think if you'll just stay in the game. Here's another thing that I I think God is teaching us is you crave in your spirit for what is possible, not for what's impossible. You crave in your spirit for what is possible. God put that inside of you. There's a craving that says, you know what, I really believe this is possible. Even if all your friends say that's not possible, even if you say circumstances are not possible, you say, no, in my spirit, I say this is possible. And God says, I created the craving inside of you for that. I think God created the craving inside of Elijah to shut off the windows of heaven. And then he put the craving in him to turn it back on at exactly the right time. Let me take you to 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 44. Then it came to pass the seventh time he said, the servant said, oh, there is a cloud. You think Elijah was relieved? You think the servant was glad? There is a cloud, but it's almost, you want to see a disclaimer here, but it's as small as a man's hand. You know, it's kind of like you're believing God for a new car and you get a spark plug. I mean, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, that's it? That's all there is, a small hand. But Elijah said, okay, that's good enough. There's, it says, as small as a man's hand, and it's rising up out of the sea. Well, what's it doing rising up out of the sea? That's not what clouds do. You imagine if the servant was a weatherman, he'd say, you know, there's only about a 10% chance this thing is going to produce rain. And by the way, this is the wrong kind of cloud because the kind of cloud we need or, you know, they have this characteristic and they're at about this number of altitude and, and all of that. And they're going through all the reasons why it won't rain. But notice what, how Elijah responds. He said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops. It's going to rain, Ahab, and if you don't hurry up, your, your chariot wheels are going to get stuck in the mud. That's faith, isn't it? He shut off the water. He's going to turn on the water. Now think about this thought. Faith is receiving something that God has already made available in the spiritual realm and it's bringing it into the natural realm. Faith is receiving something that God has already made available in the spiritual realm and he's bringing it into the natural realm. I had a guy said this to me one time. He said, um, my first church, the name was Ansel Carruth. It's like a good Cajun name, South Louisiana. Here's what Ansel said to me. He said, he said, Phil, if you will tithe on what you want to make next year, God will raise your income the next year according to your tithe for this year. Well, I was doing good just to get the tithe in at that time in my life. But I thought, you know what? This guy's just crazy enough. He might be right. 
And so I just started tithing a little bit more, and, and I forgot to do it, but I'd always just give a little bit over my tithe every year. And that went on for almost 12 years later when I remembered that again. I remembered what he said. Now I thought, you know, that can't be true. I went back, I keep all my income tax. I have all of them back from the first one I ever filed. Not all the receipts, but all the forms. So I know exactly what I made every year. And some of it's pretty pitiful. You know what I mean? I went back and I looked at it and I said, okay, how much did I give and how much did I make? And I, and I started balancing with the next year. Do you know that every single year I made based on a percentage of what I gave the year before an increase. It's a law of the harvest. I can't explain that. I don't know how that works. I just know when I cooperate with God, God cooperates with me. The Talmud says this, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. The way you see yourself before God is typically the way things are in your life. We don't see reality the way reality is, the way that God is seeing. Have you ever noticed how you've, you've prejudged someone and you've kind of taken the first impression and maybe you didn't like them or maybe you did like them and you found out evidence was different? You see, what we do is we, we see people and we see circumstances and we see jobs and we see life. We see it through where we are coming from. And if we have a low view of who we are as a person in God, then we tend to see everybody that same way. If, if inside of us we see that, that we just are just always getting by, then we see God like a God who just wants us to get by. We need to see things as, we really, as they really are in God's sight. I, I want to use an illustration here of a shop light, and uh, this is uh, one of the, you know, some shop lights have the grill over them to protect the bulb and, and so forth, but um, I asked uh, Milt to bring me a shop light. I want to illustrate faith. And the pattern of faith works kind of like this. The first thing you have to do with the shop light is you have to plug it in. Amen? Can you say that with me? Plug it in. Yeah, say it a little bit better. Plug it in. Okay, you got to plug it in. Your faith is not going to work if you don't plug it in. You got to plug it in to God. You can't have faith in man, can't have faith in society. You got to plug it in to God. I'm going to plug it in. Next thing you have to do is you can test it. And this one, it doesn't seem to work. Problem. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tighten the bulb. I'm going to tighten the bulb. Now, guess what I've got? Now I've got, once I tighten the bulb, that is getting your contact with God right. I'm going to plug it in. I'm going to get in the right source. Now I want to make sure is I'm connecting with God. That is, I'm going to look at my life and I'm going to say, is there anything in my life that would hinder faith? Is there any behavior in my life? Is there any thoughts I have in my life? Is there any a lack of, uh, of just a connection with God that I'm feeling in my life? It is. I've got to tighten the bulb. Would you say tighten the bulb with me? tighten the bulb. Okay, and then the third thing I'm going to do is what we've already seen is I'm going to flip the switch. Now, when I flip the switch in the physical world, I can see things. I take a dark place and I make it bright. But think what happens in the spiritual realm. When I flip the switch in the spiritual realm, now I can see into the things that God wants me to see. I can see what he wants me to trust him for. Not what I want, what he wants for me. So God is bringing enlightenment into me as I follow this pattern of faith. I've just got to plug it in. I've got to tighten the bulb and I've got to flip the switch in order to see what God is up to in my life. 
Freedom comes and is evidence of the presence of God. When you live in the presence of God, you've got freedom to trust God. Let's go to our text again. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 45 and 46. Now, it came, had happened in the meantime, the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was heavy rain. Don't you know Elijah's going, I knew it? Or maybe he was going, thank God. Servant's going, are you kidding me? Ahab says, wow, that guy's really got some power. So Ahab rode away, went down to Jezreel, which means the place that God sows, sows something into. And the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. He girded up his loins and he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now the hand of the Lord came upon him and for some reason made him go fast. I need that, amen? Have you ever noticed, have you ever watched people who jog? I, I watched, there's a guy that jogs by our house and he jogs like this. And I'm thinking, Tammy, I can do that. I can jog like that. That's not jogging. That's bad walking. That's not jogging, right? Uh, the other thing I've noticed about jogging is jogging makes you fat. Have you noticed all the fat people that are jogging? This guy has been jogging forever. He's not getting thin. You know why? Because he gets hungry. When you jog, you get hungry. You go home, I got to eat. I got to go, go eat, you know? And he, I can almost see him doing sit-ups, you know, Telling his wife, well, hold my feet. I'm going to do some setups. And she's got a donut. Every time he sets up, he gets a bite of the donut. But you see, what, what we've got to realize here is that, that when we have freedom, God gives us freedom. He runs out ahead of the chariot. But when you live in fear, just the opposite is true. Listen to this quote. Fear is the invisible barbed wire fence that keeps us safely and securely within our own comfort zone. You see, fear is the only thing that's holding you back. When you get into the presence of God, you have freedom, and God opens up the windows for you so that you can do what God has called you to do, and you can find the things that God wants you to find. Let me give you a couple of life applications. Here's the first one. God opens doors for you that you don't know exist. You know, have you ever, you ever looked at life like this? You know, I got a bunch of open doors right now. I'm trying to pick one. That's operating by reason. What if you operated by revelation? What if you said, God, by revelation tells me none of these open doors are of you? You realize sometime God opens a door and he wants you to say no to it? He wants you to say, that's not the right door for you. It's an open door. It's an opportunity. You've got enough skill. You, you can make things happen. But the greatest test God may have for you is when he opens a door and you have to say no to it. No, that's not the right door, God. What if God says, you know, when you say no to all those seven doors that are open for you, I'll open up a door that you don't even know exists. When I open up that door, it's going to be exactly what you need, exactly what you want. It's going to fit you perfectly, but you're going to settle for something less than the best. Second life app is this one. The impossible is possible. That's why we, that's why we pray. That's why we believe. That's why we fast. Because we believe the impossible in this world is possible with God. You only have to see God do that once in your life and you get hooked. You tap into it and you say, I've got to have that all the time. That's got to be a part of my life. If that's not a part of my life, I don't want to live this life. I want to see the hand of God. I want to, see, I want to live in the presence of God. I want to see God unfold and do stuff that I can't do. Sometimes we spend our lifetime going down the road of trying to find these two truths to be a part of us, and we don't see them. We think, why, why is my life just, why do I keep hitting the ceiling and bouncing down, hitting the ceiling? 
Maybe God has got something different for you that you haven't even thought about and contemplated yet. What if it was something better than you ever dreamed of? What was an opportunity that would change your life and you could make a difference in somebody else's life? Wouldn't you want that? Wouldn't you want that? Do you believe that God is able to do that, to show that to you? See, that's where your faith starts. Are you racking your brain by using reason, saying, God, I, I've thought of everything I can think of, and I can't think of anything that, you're, that you want me to do. Forget it. It's not where it's going to come. It's going to come in that time where you're in prayer and you're seeking God and God's just speaking to your spirit and he's opening up some avenues in your heart. He's opening up some things in your spirit, man. He's beginning to show you things. You may, have, you may be successful at what you do, but you're not as successful as God wants you to be. And this is just, God is saying, this is just the beginning. Would you let me open a new door for you? I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. I'm just going to pray over you right now, and we're going to we're going to seek God. I'm going to ask you to do this right now, with just your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Would you pray a simple prayer like this one? Lord Jesus, I need you to speak to me. I need you to show me the path. I need something that's going to inspire me in the inner man. I need you to cultivate inside of me something so powerful that I'll know it's from you. Something that when I lay my hand on in faith, God, I know you've got your hand on it too. Now just wait on the Lord. Just listen to him. Just Don't get distracted by what's going on around you or what you're doing this afternoon. Just wait on the Lord. Just just ask Him to speak to you right now. Just wait. Just wait on the Lord. He speaks with a still, small voice. That first thing he says to you is probably going to be the thing. It's not going to be, don't keep probing it. Just say, God, okay, I don't know what that means, but I want to, I want to take that thought. I want to take that idea. I want to take that promise. I want to take that opportunity. And I want to begin to put it before you in prayer. I want to begin to put it before you in faith. I want to begin to see what you might do with that, God. Now, if you've got that thing that God put in your heart right now, I want you to thank him that he spoke to you. You're going to give him permission to manifest that how he wants. You're going to give him permission to direct that how he wants. You're not going to hold it so tightly that he can't make the changes he needs to make to bring that about. You're going to give him time to work. You're going to be patient. You're not going to be like the child who can't make up his mind. You're going to put it before God. And you're going to say something like this, God, I won't make that happen. You have to make that happen. I won't force my way into that. I won't follow my own desires. I'm going to follow your spirit right now. If God gave you something in your spirit today, God spoke to you in some way, I want you just to raise your hand up. Nobody can see you. I can't even see you. The lights are are down. But just put your hand up. It's just only important that you 
acknowledge it before God. God gave me something today, and I don't know what to do with it exactly, but I'm going to put it before the Father today. I'm going to let God work. I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to make it happen. I'm going to let God be the initiator of my future. God, you see the hands. You see the hearts. God, you're stirring in people's spirit now a fresh vision of what tomorrow looks like. Now, Holy Spirit of God, just work in that. Let's just listen to God now. Just put it before him. This truly leads us right now.